This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Hold True Tattoo Studios. The new studio is now open in Hamilton, and if you're interested in getting any tattoo work done or discussing any designs, please contact the chief artist, Brian Bell. You can find Hold True Tattoo Studios on Instagram and on Facebook, so if you're at all interested, please check them out. Good morning, Matt. Morning. How are you? How are you doing, buddy? All right. I'm good, thanks. Yeah, yourself? Yeah, living the dream. <laughs> cool. And what is the dream? <laughs> what is the dream, buddy? The dream is to be. Uh, the dream is to be healthy and to be here. Yeah. To be happy and teaching martial arts and okay. all is good, bud. Oh, all great. Good. So. Uh, I'm hoping that the Eid is tomorrow and Ramadan will finish today as well. Yeah. So, uh, that's the dream as well. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Was, uh, speaking to Tracy, my wife, this morning and just saying that recording the podcast, it's, it's just not the same without a coffee. <laughs> I bet, yeah. I bet it's well hard. Yeah. But, uh, this month has went really, really quickly, actually, which is, which is right. good. It, yeah. it usually does. It usually does. But uh, I think I'm getting old as well, buddy. I think that's what the problem is. Yeah. <laughs> How's it things? Happened, yeah, good. Thank you. Doing the online stuff, helping instructors set up their platforms and do all of that sort of thing, and right. in seminars. So that's that's quite nice. So yeah, it's all kind of returning to normal-ish. Well. Ish. I always I keep saying last year and forgetting that last year was a complete. Right off, but uh, yeah. we had you booked to come back to our school last year, actually. And yeah, then yeah. Obviously, everything happened, but we'll need to we'll need to get that. Okay, get thank that you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so uh, we're joined by the Mipmaster this morning, uh, Matt Chapman, and uh, really looking forward as always to this this conversation. If you'll allow, I'm going to ambush you straight <laughs> away this morning. Oh, God. Right, <laughs> uh, but. Obviously, this is a, a tongue-in-cheek question to start yeah. us off, and you'll be an absolute samurai answering this one. So, <laughs> uh, what I'll say to start us off is, is that digital and online training doesn't work. Okay. So, right? so now, my my opinion has really changed on this, yeah. uh, as as in dramatically changed on this, but. An expert like you, and for the people that are still saying this, what, what's your answer to that one? Straight off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think the last year has proven to most martial arts instructors that you can do a fairly good job teaching digitally. But it's look, here's the honest truth. It's not a replacement for a physical one-on-one -on -one experience with an instructor. It's never going to be a replacement for that. That's the best training you can ever get in yeah. a dojo with an instructor training one-on-one. -on -one. You know, you can't get any better than that. But when there's a pandemic and your school's shut and you're not allowed to teach, what are you going to do? How are you going to support your students? How are you going to help them continue to grow and develop? How are you going to keep your retention up? Yeah. You haven't got a choice. It's digital. So the pandemic was like a wake-up call, I think, for the whole industry that, you know, I've had it for years. I've been teaching people about digital content for 
yep. literally the last five years and loads of people have said to me oh digital's rubbish you can't teach online you can never learn martial arts online and the very same people who said that were suddenly doing zoom classes <laughs> and recording <laughs> I was like ah what happened there so look it's not a replacement for physical training it's a support to physical training it helps you know those yep. times when you can't necessarily get to a dojo or there's a pandemic or your student's injured or you're ill or if you've got to take care of a family member yeah that can be taken care of doing uh, with online so yeah i mean it's it, i don't know why people have such a problem with it i think it's because it's maybe slightly it feels like that it might be that they're not confident enough to do the whole creating and teaching online it's a different set of skills you have to have some tech skills you have to be quite good at presenting to camera which is different than presenting to a class yeah so it might be that they just feel a bit intimidated by the whole thing and just want to push it away but i think the one the one positive of the pandemic is it's just forced all these instructors to just get onto digital, find out it's not so terrifying, find out it's, you know, it's actually quite good, find out that students are enjoying it and take it from there. I was one of these guys that you were talking about. Uh, <laughs> no, I was. And I've said, this, I've said this publicly and I've said it to a lot of my students. Maybe that's something we can investigate as to why I, well, using me as an example, why I was so against it. And it's probably for the same reasons that a lot of people but against it, uh, but I found that we okay. Let me talk you through our timeline. We had to obviously close down classes uh, March time, two thousand and twenty, the same as everybody else. And <laughs> I remember standing with a, a, a large group of the parents and saying, "Listen, guys, uh, we, we really have to make a decision now. We're going to close down physical classes. Uh, we'll try and do something." We didn't really know what that was going to be at the time. And I don't mind saying this. I was kind of thinking we'd be away for six weeks, eight weeks. Yeah, yeah. That's what was in my head. Yeah, uh, it'll all blow over. It will be all right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and I don't, looking back now, that seems ridiculous because of what we've went through, but I genuinely thought that's what it'd be. Anyway, so I thought, right, I'll do some live Facebook feeds. <laughs> so we started off with that in the private group. And uh, that was going really, that was going really well. Recording from my house, and then one of my my sort of friends and uh, sort of senior students said to me, uh, "Like you're you're doing amazing at that. Like the effort you're putting into class to try and because you don't know who's there. Obviously, you're just teaching to a screen." Yeah. And he said, "Like you're putting so much effort in," and he said, "But I bet you half the people are just sitting there with like a packet of crisps." <laughs> He's <laughs> got a good point. He's got a good point. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so then, one of my other students said, "Listen, I think you're missing a trick because uh, a lot of people have moved on to Zoom already." Now that's when it changed for me because having really, really missing students and really missing teaching. See, as soon as I could see someone on the other end of that screen, it was night and day. It, mm. it, it was a real big change. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, and then I found that people were actually starting to get better. We weren't we weren't doing as much content. Say, yeah. let's say we would work on twenty techniques just for talk's sake in a physical class. We we worked in seven or eight, but then they started getting really good at those techniques because yeah. we were 
focused. Uh, so I've changed. I've changed completely. I think. I think the question there is: is that through your experience, what have you heard people say? What's been the the turning point to to change that attitude? Um. Well, there's two things that change people: inspiration or desperation. I think. They're either inspired to change or they're desperate and yeah. it's pain that causes them to change. So I think the only thing that really changed for martial arts instructors was they got desperate. Yeah. That was it. They couldn't teach physical classes. What can we do? You know, oh, right, we'll jump on Facebook and do some classes. That's not working because maybe you don't get the interaction. Yeah. So let's try Zoom. Oh, that's that's working quite well. We can see the students. There's there's that, that energy between you going on. So I think the the desperation forced them to all suddenly learn all this online stuff about, you know, right cameras, lighting, uh, you know, editing audio, uploading it to different platforms. Desperation raised the whole industry. So uh, it's sad that it had to come to that, but that's that's the reality. There was. People wouldn't have done it if this if the pandemic had come along. I've been I've been talking about it for years and years and years, and I'd run workshops and I'd get like five or six people on it, and I'd run another one the next month, get four free on it, and it was like <laughs> just a few people. And as soon as the pandemic hit and everything got locked down, I was getting inquiries just nonstop for the whole first lockdown number one. Yep. I was nonstop working. I was not resting I was helping instructors set up online platforms I was advising them on what cameras to choose I was doing stuff on training them on how to use zoom it just went crazy so sadly it took that kind of um, terrible sort of pandemic to force martial arts instructors to change the yeah. thing I'm, I'm worried about though is I think now it's getting back to normal and it's almost normal I think Yep. They're going to forget about the digital and the online and go, phew, that's over. We won't need to do that again. And the danger is, you know, because the precedent has been set now of lockdowns and, you know, shutting down whole entire countries, if not the world, what happens if the next coronavirus is more, you know, more deadly and to different age groups? What do people think is going to happen then? This, the same thing's going to happen, but probably more intensely and for a longer period of time. So I think instructors shouldn't take their foot off the pedal as long as uh, as far as it goes to the online. They should keep doing the odd online Zoom class once a week just to keep their hand in on presenting online. They should research the latest platforms they can be using to share their content. They should be setting up their YouTube channel. They should be pre-recording their syllabus so that they can distribute it to their students if they need to shut down. They should use their recordings of the last year's worth of zooms and edit those and put them into a platform so that if stuff happens again they can just use the same content but i know what being a martial arts instructor i know what they're like they're just gonna go <laughs> i'm not doing any of that i'm not desperate enough yet when we had the uh, already you're, 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 i never doubted the the i'll be honest with you i, I never doubted the sense that you 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 you've always been you've always spoken. I never ever doubted that. It was more of a personal thing. Mm. And I'm happy enough to absolutely come back and say, yeah, you were right. Because I I was one of these ones that was like, uh, I'll be honest, sort of looked down on. Yeah, looked down on it, and uh, I got desperate. And that's you're spot on. And it, it, 
It was desperate because you... Okay, here's the way I've seen it. I've seen it that I, w I have a responsibility towards my students. I yeah. have a responsibility to keep that relationship uh, and offer them a way through this pandemic. One yeah. of the biggest compliments I've had, and I think many of us would have had, is that, and especially from parents who've come back and said, listen, you've been the only consistent thing yeah. for my child over a year. What an amazing compliment. That's, it's fantastic. Yeah, that it's, it's very, very true. And lots of other instructors have said the same thing, you know, because the other clubs that they might be doing, the schoolwork, you know, it all kind of dropped down a little bit. But, you know, the weekly martial arts class was just bang on every single week, you know. And the good thing is it forced instructors to get creative about how they can teach the same stuff because there's no holding pads necessarily there's no bag work there's no you can't use any equipment so how are you going to teach you know a four-year-old front kicks for 45 minutes how are you going to find it make it interesting and exciting so it it elevated instructors it elevated their technical skills but also elevated their instructional ability yeah. and teaching to like a, a camera and like you say on facebook live it's even worse because you just get nothing back oh. you teaching so then you get self-conscious, you think, is anyone paying attention? You start messing up your words. Uh, so I think it was it was needed. It's very sad that it took this terrible thing for it to happen, but it's improved the industry in the long run. I think I think that's spot on as well. And that's something that I've I've I've, I've spoken about too. Just uh hey, I I think a tip I would give to any martial arts instructor starting out is to get and I don't think it's I don't think it's a cheat. I think it's something that w is required is to learn how to hide repetition yep. uh, within class and taking a front kick, for example. If you have to work on a front kick for thirty minutes, there's so many different variations you can do. Step in, let's go around the different angles, use different legs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I would say having a year where I haven't been in contact with my students, I'm a better instructor now than what I was for everything you've just said there. Yeah. It was yeah. hard work. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, the, online, like I said, online is not a replacement for physical classes and you can get a certain amount of, you can watch the students in the Zoom, but you can't like get in there and correct their technique and move their body. So, you have to get better communicating the exact words that you need to say in order for a student to get it via an online thing. So it just refines your communication skills. It makes you a better communicator. You can just tell people what to do and they don't necessarily, you know, they get it. Yeah. Um, in the previous, you know, before that, we'd probably have to, if I was teaching for jujitsu, for example, on the ground, I would actually kind of grab the person's arm and move it. So this is what you need to do. You need to put yourself here and put your foot here, grab their foot, put, bring the arm across. But none of that with the online. So you have to be very specific in the details you get and that improves your skill and communication skills as an instructor. So, yeah, another positive uh, from a very, very <laughs> negative situation. No, for, for, for sure. I think that's, I think, again, another really uh, interesting point you've raised there. Like, I, I won't say that, and again, anything I say about any instructors today, I'm, I'm absolutely 100% including myself in that. Uh, is it perhaps, it's not lazy teaching, but just like you've said there, like, I think the student understands better when 
you can verbalize it sometimes and they have to think about the technique because how often do you just walk by a student and move their arm? Yeah, yeah. It's just natural. You just, now your arm should be here. Yeah. I don't know if the student goes away and actually thinks about, well, why should it be here or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah. Whereas if you're on Zoom and you're having to say, listen, your, your arm has to be at such and such angle. Here's the reason why. They're already getting more information. Uh, yeah. So I think the people that did run with it, I think will come out of this definitely as better instructors as well. Yeah, and I, I totally agree. I know a lot of people quit on it, though. They stopped doing the Zoom, stopped doing. Um, and that's partially due to they didn't frame it right with their students. So a lot of them, and a lot of instructors kind of went to their students and said, we're going to have to be shut. We're going to try this online stuff. Don't know if it's going to work. You know, it's going to be a, it's not going to be as good as class. You know, turn up if you want. So they they came at it with really negative point of view and put that on their students. So then they wonder why their students weren't turning up for the Zoom classes because they were like, it's it's not as good. It's not going to be as good. It can never replace it. So turn up if you want. Whereas I think the instructors who did the best were the ones like. You know, we're having to close, but I'm super excited that, you know, now we've got this online technology that allows me to teach and come into your your, your home and teach you. Um, we'll have all the recordings of it. I can go into a lot more detail. I can see your technique and correct your technique. So I think it's how you frame it to the student made a difference. And the ones who framed it positively and, and really were creative in how they taught and a lot of variety and were energized and infused to teach on Zoom did better than the ones who were kind of like, Oh, this sucks. I hate, yeah. I hate Zoom. Yeah. So. That, 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 now again, listen, cards on the table. That was me for the first two or three weeks when I was just using Facebook. Right. I think the, t if you remember, well, again, you obviously you're down south and it's, 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 the weathers and stuff's generally a wee bit better. But up here, it was like glorious weather for the first few weeks. Yeah. That actually carried on, and that was a bit of a blessing as well. But we just done Facebook, but I was setting challenges straight away for like my juniors, like have mum video you doing sort of certain jumping kicks in the garden and doing this. And we, we started to build a, an online community sort of yeah. straight away. But in my heart, I was kind of like, oh, I'm missing being there. But then, <laughs> as I said, as soon as Zoom kicked in, I really came to it with like a a That's lot good. of energy and that came across. Uh, see, the way both of us are, the way I'm recording the, the podcast today, both of us are on the screen and that's how it'll appear on the YouTube channel. Yeah. The reason why I'm mentioning that is a lot of the students had it on speaker view. So yeah. it was only me on the screen. Yes. So there could have been 30 or 40 students in class, but a few of them come back and said it was like getting twice weekly one-to-ones because... Yeah. Perfect. They weren't focusing on, on these other screens that I could see. Yeah. Just my ugly mush. Uh, like, and they said it was like getting a one-to-one. -one. It was, I could just focus on you. I wasn't focusing on anybody else. That's all brilliant stuff. It is, yeah. It's, it's that, that that one. Like, obviously, the best way to learn martial arts is one-to-one -one with your instructor. That's, yeah. the, you know, because you just get their personal attention. You get the improvement. Now, you can set it up on Zoom, so it feels like that. You know, you can feel like you're teaching directly to that person, but there's 30, 50, 100 people on at the same time, but they all feel like they've got that personal touch with you. Um, 
you know that's one of the powerful things about online it allows you to reach multiples of people which is maybe not physically possible especially during a lockdown but also you know martial arts businesses are local businesses we're in our local towns and that is the extent of the people that we can influence help and you know have a positive impact impact on their lives but what if you could do that like regionally in your region what if you could do that in your country what if you could do that in your you know uh, in the world you could teach people around the world and that's why I set up my online business because I thought I had stuff that was valuable that people seem to enjoy but what if you live in America Canada Australia Italy you know how you get you can't come to my school yeah. to train with me so my goal was always to help as many people as possible and to improve the level of pad holding for instructors so therefore I made it a global thing so now I have students in like a couple of hundred you know places around the world and it, it it's it's all over the place now which is really really good I get to help more people um, people can benefit from it in different places you know I've had uh, emails from people who are like in Brazil and there there's no one who's teaching sort of the stuff where they are in Brazil so the only access they get to online training is YouTube and things like that but the problem with going to YouTube is you get random videos from one instructor then a different instructor you don't get any cohesion it's not very systematized and organized so the idea is they learn my stuff they've got a nice complete system on how to hold pads for different martial arts so I think the good thing about this whole situation is it's made instructors realize that hey maybe teaching online isn't as sucky as I thought it was gonna be you've probably done enough of it so that your confidence and speaking to camera is there because I remember the first time I was on camera I was stumbling and making mistakes and uh, getting you know confused with what I was saying but with practice you get better and better yeah. so I think the next stage for a lot of instructors is well why can't you teach what you teach in your school to people all around your country or possibly all around you know your the world I mean why not it's, it's just a but I think um, fear is the main reason that holds a lot of people back from that they're like they're scared of the technology, but if they can use Zoom and stuff, they can already teach online and they've got the tech that they need. It's very simple nowadays. But I think it's more of the fear of other people saying mean things about them and imposter syndrome. They're feeling like they're not good enough to have a global presence, that they should stay small and just stay in their town and teach in their town and that's okay. But to, for them to get known in their country or the world, intimidates them because they don't feel like they're good enough which is interesting for me because I'm like well you know if you're good enough to teach people in your town why are you not good enough to teach people in the town next to it and the town next to that and the town next to that or in, in your in your country so it's, it's kind of interesting the reason why I, I was uh, I got a bit animated there was you when you said imposter syndrome that was exactly the next thing I was going to say to you like it's so and again, let, let's let's sort of talk about that for a wee second. You, you did touch on it there, but again, the way you've put it is 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 really really clear. If you have someone, I mean, I, I certainly do have students who travel to my school from a different town. How's that different online? How's it different five towns away? Exactly. Or then yeah. a country away, or a, or a continent away, or it's exactly. not. It's no, different. it's no different, but it's different in the instructor's head. So I think a lot of instructors have that imposter syndrome. And also they think that 
then maybe they believe they need to be the best. But the problem with believing that you need to be the very best to teach online or to teach on a global scale is there's only ever one best. You know, the, you know, the best judoka in the world is one person at that weight. The best karateka is one person at that weight. The best MMA fighter is one person at that weight. So that's ridiculous. You don't have to be the very, very best. And also, frequently, the very best technical fighter competitor is not the best coach or instructor. They sometimes they have these natural innate talents that they can't teach and they can't present. And also to be a high level competitor and to be the best, you have to be incredibly selfish. You, you're not, you're not really, you don't really care about the people down below you. And you don't care about sharing and teaching and coaching and helping people along the way. You have to, you have to be incredibly self-centered and focused on what you want to achieve and your goals. So I think instructors need to realize that if they like teaching, they like helping people, they like developing people, why, why not just do it globally? It doesn't, you know, what, you can just teach in your own town, but why not expand your influence? And also from a business personal perspective, if you have a school in your own town, you're limited by the, the amount of students that you can get in that town. Your business is limited. Your ability to make income and support your family is limited because you can only fit so many people in your dojo. You only have so many hours in a day to teach. You only have so many people in your town who are interested in martial arts. Yeah. That's it. Your whole that's it's limited. You know, you can't you can't grow past that. So the only way to grow past that is then in either to get into franchising, which is a lot of work. You know. Mm -hmm setting up franchise models, finding franchisees, monitoring management, um, or online is the other way of doing it. Because then what you essentially do when you teach online is you make copies of yourself that go out and teach all over the world, but they don't need managing. They don't need a franchise fee. They're not going to have a tantrum. Uh, they're just carbon copies of you that go around and can teach in Brazil and can teach in India, can teach in you know, the United States. Uh, and it's you so you, you get to brand yourself and you get to known as the expert so for me it was a no-brainer because I was running a full-time martial arts school for 19 years with my with my mate but I was like this can't get any bigger mm -hmm. like we, we can't do any more than we're doing because we're stuck in this space and I am awful at managing people so I'm like old school I told you what to do why haven't you done it <laughs> like, like there's no emotional stuff and hey you all right how's it going so my management skills are really bad yeah, yeah. so i realized either i needed to upgrade my management skills in order to create you know affiliate schools or satellites or franchise mm -hmm. but that seemed like a lot of effort or i could basically create copies of myself and distribute them on the web um i did decided to do that it took a long time to grow and build but now it's it's going really really well yeah that's that's the next thing that I want to ask you about. Uh, one thing I'll say before then, but just to uh, jump back onto that imposter syndrome and having lack of confidence. We're in a world where maybe people are scared to do it because of the feedback they'll get, but we're in a world where somebody sits on their couch with a pizza and a beer and mm. tells Floyd Mayweather that he shouldn't fight with his legs. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like... <laughs> <laughs> that's a great example i love that but you're, you're so right um but, but i'm going to call instructors on this i'm going to give them a bit of a you know telling off yeah we're meant to be in an 
in a in a system art style that's meant to develop self confidence and ability to believe in yourself and you know to help people. So that whole thing of you know I don't want to put stuff out there because people say mean things about you know and it's happened to me hundreds of times that people have said this is rubbish that's rubbish your pad work's awful you don't know what you're doing but I, I don't know I've got self-confidence self-esteem that I know that my message my what I create helps some people it won't help everyone but there's a you know I've got about 10,000 people who are accessing my content around the world yeah. so it's helping people might not be for them but why would I let what you know the person on the sofa eating a pizza drinking a beer why would I let what they say affect my self-confidence and affect my belief in myself and affect the good I could do in helping people around the world with my training why would I let them stop me to me it doesn't doesn't make any sense but I'm quite thick-skinned I can I, things that people say online doesn't bother me but I know a lot of instructors who are like oh so and so said my technique was rubbish I'm never putting anything out again and I kind of get it I understand but I also don't understand, uh, you know, this is part of my lack of empathy management problem that I have. You know, like you could, you want to do more and you want to, you know, share what you love with the world, but you're letting people who one don't know you have never met you, have never trained with you, stop, stop that just by writing a little comment on a YouTube video. Yeah. It's madness to me. I mean, I just, I, I, I don't understand. I think it's it is, it's it's a lot to do with human nature, of course. That we want. the other uh, great example I've got is uh, I'm a huge fan of Liam Harrison. I talk yeah. to Liam Harrison quite often, and you know, if people saying to Liam Harrison, "Oh, you're dropping your hands when you're throwing that leg kick," sorry, like the guys get the probably some of the best leg kicks yeah. ever, and you're telling him he's dropping his guard. Yeah, yeah. And then if you go to Liam Harrison's page, you'll start chasing these guys or. Yeah. <laughs> no 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 stop just stop right there like so I, think I think he probably because he seems like a guy who enjoys a lot of banter so i think he probably enjoys people criticizing him so yeah. he can jump in and have a go at them but yeah all right you stand in front of leah harrison and let him kick you and then you decide right, yeah but will people do that of course they won't so it's well, ridiculous if, if people are criticizing floyd mayweather and liam yeah. harrison they should be able to criticize me and I just let it wash over me and then I got on with it. That's yeah, it. It's so easy now just to ban and delete people. You know, someone says something, Saki, you can delete the comment. You can ban them from your page. You never have to hear from them again. So why would you let it like get into your heart? Um, and part of the reason is I think many martial arts instructors are quite sensitive to bullying. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about... Uh, why someone would start martial arts is because they're missing something in their life whether it's they're missing self-confidence or they're missing um, the ability to defend themselves or that there's there's some element that's missing so they've gone to martial arts to get that and I think a lot of martial arts instructors start martial arts because of lack of self-esteem slash bullying yep, yep. and then they get what they call triggered you know they get triggered by the comments that are put up years, decades down the line when they're, you know, really strong, really fit, really, and then someone says your technique's awful and it kind of hurts. Yeah, yeah. That, that yeah. weakness is still there. Yeah. So I think that's probably why it affects so many people. Um, I just think it's hilariously funny. I just love some of the things people have said about me. It's just, some of them are, I can't repeat because they're just too rude. <laughs> 
<laughs> they just crack me up. I'm just like, oh, that's such a good insult. And then I ban and delete them. Fine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, right. Okay. So the next week conversation, I think, will be so valuable to people. Uh, and I also want to double back again to talk about your actual, I'll give you a chance to talk about, sorry, your actual process of helping people as well online. Mm -hmm. But I think what's really valuable is if we hear about your giving up one path, just because, as I know, you, you got to a stage where you were sort of physically, mentally exhausted, but then chasing this other dream. Uh, I've got a friend who was a, a bank manager and she was the youngest ever person promoted to manager for, it was either the Royal Bank of Scotland or the Bank of Scotland. And she was driving to work one day and uh, she she just knew it wasn't what she wanted to do. Yeah. She literally just, I may be over-dramatising this slightly, but turned the, turned the car around, around yeah. yeah <laughs> turned the car around and, and, and quit. Yeah. For all, all intents and purposes, she did. She just gave it up and then started another business and then sold it for a crazy amount of money. Wow. Uh, cool. Yeah, uh, just because she, she said she had that leverage, she, she quit and then she had to do her stuff. Uh, so let's go back to, to your story and tell us a wee bit about, obviously your actual journey as a student, then into having your full-time school and then giving that up I mean, that's my dream to have a full-time school. And you're going to talk me out of it here. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> like, you, you gave that up, but then you've, you've moved into this amazing stuff that you're doing now. So, yeah. Oh, thank you. Um, well, I, I, yeah, oh. martial arts when I was 11, 10, 11, with uh, ninjutsu in my local town, because I, I saw um, End of a Dragon, and I was like, oh, got to do that. That's just it. Yep. So that was it. As soon as I saw Bruce Lee doing his thing, I was like martial arts. But there was no Kung Fu at the time in my town. So I started with ninjutsu. I did that for a decade. I uh, got to Black Belt and that. Really enjoyed that. That was fun. Lots of crazy stuff in ninjutsu that is not in normal martial arts, such as riding a, a horse while shooting a bow and arrow. Like yeah. just crazy stuff, which when you're 11 or 12 is just like so cool yep. the throwing stars climbing trees learning how to break and enter stuff like just <laughs> james bond stuff when you're a kid so i did that yeah, be invisible Tr trying to be invisible oh, yeah oh. yeah but it wasn't as easy <laughs> as uh, you might believe uh so i did that for a decade that was cool and then what happened was a karateka came to our school and he wanted to spar and he just beat me up and i was like oh that sucks uh, he was he was a brown belt i think at the time and i was like oh I, then I started getting interested in more functional fighting sparring skills because that's not necessarily or wasn't for me ninjutsu strength. Yeah. Um, so started learning uh, kickboxing with a really cool kickboxing instructor in my local town who then recommended a JKD slash a screamer instructor. And then I, Anton St. James, his name is, and I spent the next decade training daily with him in a screamer, Filipino martial arts, uh, Jeet Kune Do and Muay Thai. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was a decade training with him. And then Bob Breen, who was in London at the time, was the kind of godfather of JKD in Europe. Yeah. And I was like, well, I've got to go and train with Bob. So I went to university, kind of did a degree half-assed, mainly just to train with Bob. 
so you know the excuse to going to london was to get a degree but the real yeah. reason i was there to train with bob so then spent three to five years training at bob breen's academy in hoxton uh, loved that when i was there i met eric polson who is one of the first mma fighters he was doing bare knuckle mma back in the day he was the first person i met who could mix striking grappling wrestling fluidly with no gaps so i was like Ooh. Yep. went out to america to train with eric several times um, became an instructor in his system and then started competing in mma did mma for a few years won a british title in mma but didn't really enjoy fighting it wasn't my passion my passion is teaching and helping people yep. so i used to fight win fights and be like yeah like there's no emotional response i didn't get excited i wasn't like i was just relieved that i'd won the fight and that my opponent was all right and that was it so yeah. quit mma because it wasn't really my passion and then opened a full-time school with my mate james which we ran for 19 years together and the problem was running a full-time school because one i'm a terrible manager uh, it's not my skill set so there's all sorts of issues with staff and stuff that came to a head um Second, I was doing too many private lessons. So I was doing like five or six hours of private lessons, but these weren't like telling people what to do. These were training MMA fighters. So a lot of pad work, a lot of clinch work, a lot of sparring, a lot of ground and pound. So my body is getting dinged up and bashed by all these young kids who wanted to fight. Yeah. Then after my privates, I would do kids classes, which I hated teaching. So that was stressful because I don't like teaching kids. They just do my head in because <laughs> mainly <laughs> I found teaching kids I was just trying to herd like cats. It was, oh, it was hard work managing the kids and controlling their behavior. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't enjoy that. So I was getting beaten up in the day. Then I was teaching kids, which I didn't enjoy. And then I'd had the adults classes, which I used to love teaching. But that's a long day of stuff that's going on. Yeah. Plus doing the admin for the school and the organization, the marketing and all that. And basically after about 19 years of doing this, yeah. I was you know 40 years old and burnt out <laughs> by that point <laughs> it's all right when you're training fighters when you're young but when you get older and older the injuries you know they accidentally elbow you in the head and then your jaw hurts for a week they kick the pad wrong and your finger hurts for two weeks they take you down and land on your neck and you can't move your arm properly for so it all came to a head where i was like I'm falling out of love with martial arts, which is enough, you know, something I'd never want to do because it's been my whole life since I was 10. Um, what do I do about this? Because I can't keep this pace up. I can't keep doing this. I can't keep teaching the kids. So made some changes, got staff members in to teach the kids. Yep. No more kids' glasses. Great. Uh, started to drop some of the privates with the, you know, the fighters and just took on some different types of students who weren't necessarily fighters or so wasn't getting beaten up so much um you know chose the classes i was teaching and then i had a bit of free time and i was like feeling a bit better a bit better energy so then it was i had a passion for pad training my thing i love most is pad training and sparring and i was like i wonder if anyone like online would be interested in seeing some of my pad drills because i've been developing them for 20 years um so i put some videos on youtube and most people said nice things and a few you know also said <laughs> not nice things delete and <laughs> delete, delete problem solved and I, I was kind of enjoying the process of creating stuff and sharing it and getting response and feedback and then creating new stuff and sharing it and it's just kind of organically built and you know I started creating online products 
which I would then sell like online courses. And for the first year I sold zero courses, like zero, like no one bought any of my courses online, um, which is interesting to me because now I run a, quite a big business teaching online courses, but for that first year, zero, nothing. Uh, but martial arts teaches you about perseverance, continuing through overcoming obstacles, confidence, belief in yourself. So I just kept on plugging, pushing out content. And, you know, I made my first sale, which was for like £7.99. I was like, whoop, I'm in. Yep. So I just kept pushing content, kept creating content, kept sharing it, kept, you know, moving things forward. And over a period of several years, it started to increase. And about after three years of running the online business, I was making as much from my online business as I was making from my full-time school of 400 members. Yeah, wow, okay. So then I was like, oh, like, what do I do? Do I, you know, I, I could keep both going, but I kind of feel like I've done the whole teaching of martial arts school thing for 20 years. I was enjoying it at that point because I'd organized myself better and got rid of the kids' classes and, you know, got rid of some of the privates, had more free time. But I felt like I could offer more to martial artists around the world by focusing on the online. Because obviously it's great for my students, teaching my 400 students, but there's 10,000 people in my online database at the moment that I'm currently helping. And that felt like to me at that time, just more interesting, more challenging, more rewarding. So I woke up one day and I was like, right, I'm done. Like the lady driving the car to the bank, I turn my car around. <laughs> I said to my business partner, yeah, I'm going to move on and just do the online. He was like, okay, cool. So I sold my half of the business to him. Um, so he continues to run the business, uh, which is doing really, really well. And I went off into the online world and uh, tried to do my best there. So that's the journey from the last 30 odd years. The, 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 the where I've changed and, and just listening to you speak there, especially towards the end when the part about, I, it's that fulfillment of, or, or comparing that from teaching at a full-time school and what credence do we give to this online stuff? What, what, what sort of, what respect do we give in it? Or when having done nothing compared to what you've done, just, same as all the instructors that have done it, but having utilised a, a very small part of it for a year, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, my opinion has changed, mm. and it's I'm actually sitting here thinking that's it's it's now wonderful what you've done there. Uh, I'm now sitting thinking you you reaching these people, teaching these people, is just as legitimate as the person that stands in my school, and I know we said it's. Well, it doesn't compare fully, but I don't know you'll ever know. You, I think you're just changing people's lives the same way I'm changing people's lives in a, do, a dojang or a dojo. Uh, my, my opinion on that has really, really changed having come through it. It must be satisfying to you have so many people now getting something from what you're doing. It must be. Yeah, it, it is really satisfying. And the good thing about the online as opposed to a physical school is you kind of I don't know if this is the right word, probably not. You don't waste your time in the sense that sometimes I've had students come to the school and they're so talented. 
Yeah, they've got you know they've just got flexibility and strength and explosiveness and I'm like wow you could be really amazing at martial arts and you teach them and you give them your energy and you give them your love and you try and help them out and then they quit because you know they split up with a girlfriend or they can't be bothered anymore or they're going to take up motocross or it's not for them or they get punched on the nose and they don't like it so this we as instructors like invest so much in students and we've all had it you know star students quit and you know students quit and take students with them and instructors quit and all of the fun stuff that goes in martial arts but with the online you don't get that because what you do is you create content that attracts your ideal person they engage with their content and then they feed back to you about what how it affected them and how what they'd like to see next so you know running a martial arts school to find like your star players is is kind of inefficient in a sense isn't it because yeah, that makes sense yeah. you get thousands of people through and we know the quit rate in martial arts is really high during the first three months so you know you might have these star people who come in and they just quit because someone said something to them in the class or they didn't like the way they were taught or you know and the good thing about online is because you create so much content and people find it the people who are attracted to what you're doing the way you teach the way you explain stuff your passion for the subject they're like your ideal students but you find them all over the world it's 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 great and they feed back to you and they say you know positive things about it how it's improved their classes how it's improved their teaching how it's improved their businesses how it's improved their life it, it is a nice feeling to be fair um and i just like helping people really it doesn't matter what it is with the online or with pad work or whatever anything to do with martial arts i just like helping yeah the 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 only thing i would say to not push back against that but to put a wee bit of balance on it you, you do sometimes sometimes quite often actually uh sometimes and quite often that doesn't make sense but you know what i mean <laughs> you'll find that 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 student that, that maybe you wouldn't have found you know like and you you'll have lots of experience about this somebody walks in and you would never think they're just yeah, so yeah. stuff, and then you do. Do you know what I mean? A couple of months later, they're then flying, but not for what you said. It, it, it makes it makes. Yeah, and that's, that type of student is actually the most exciting type of student for me to teach when I was teaching physical at my oh, school. Yeah. It was always like the one you wouldn't suspect. You know, the uncoordinated, like gangly person who just couldn't do anything, and you were like, "Oh, this is going to be hard work." And then, you know, six months down the line, they've massively improved and then they actually turn into a really good martial artist. That's super rewarding. Yeah. I find the talented ones less rewarding because they have the natural talent. And often people with natural talent don't fully utilize it because it's easy. Yeah. Because things come too easy and they're like, oh, you know, this is easy. Why, why am I doing this? It's too easy. Yeah. So they tend to quit. But it's the ones, like you say, who maybe struggle in the beginning that are the most rewarding to teach because they just turn you know they they blossom like a flower they turn into something amazing from you know something that didn't start that amazing so that's really nice yeah there, there was i don't know why this story resonated there in my head with what you were talking about or it came about but we went to this is i was i started running my first school at 16 so i was like really really young and the instructor at the time was traveling through from glasgow and very quickly lost interest. And then he was phoning me and saying, oh, I'm not coming through today. I need you to cover this class. And I was super eager at the time. And then recovering the class, it, it eventually it got less and less there. Uh, and I was only 16 at the time. 
but uh, maybe around 17 or 18 or so, I remember us attending the Combat uh, World Championships or Combat Magazine World Open, maybe it's in Sheffield or somewhere, and I had a super, super talented student, like, this guy could jump and explode, and he, he, was, he was amazing, and I remember competing against him in the Patterns or Kata division, mm. and him actually beating me in the competition. And this is, when I think back to this, it's absolutely crazy. Almost the very next class, him and his dad, <laughs> hey, <and I> remember, <laughs> I was really young, me and know what's coming, him and his dad showed up and pretty much had a conversation that because he had beaten me at the tournament, there was nothing else I could teach him. And they actually said, I love that. I mean, it's when I it's that, that, <laughs> when I was sixteen or seventeen, that probably crushed me at the time. I'm in his yeah. state laughing about it now, but yeah. Uh, yeah, and the but the thing is, and this maybe relate back to people who you don't expect. He very, I think he went somewhere else for like a year, and done nothing with martial arts. Yeah, and then, well, whatever I've done, I've done, but it's a lot more than what he done. Do you yeah. know? You know, yeah, yeah. It's so funny looking back that I, I don't even know why that's relevant. It just came out. No, of well, that's a great story. <laughs> it's like you can't teach me anymore. I would. It would be even better if they said we're taking over your dojo now because I've beaten. Yeah, yeah. let's let's have a, a, a Cobra Kai style fight off yeah. over this. But yeah, so he did, and, and and the dad, and it seemed to be a mutual thing that they thought that because he'd won this tournament, there was nothing else he could learn from me. So uh, brilliant, yeah. love it. That's that. Right, okay, so we're, uh, we're up to the stage where you have obviously built this successful online platform business now. How does it work? Tell everybody. And I know lots of instructors that, that know about your stuff. Every time I log on to social media, your advert is the first thing I see. <laughs> it's an Instagram feed. You can, ban, you can ban me and delete Not me. Not at all. Not at all. It's in Facebook feeds. Uh, even when you're scrolling through like numb videos, Matt Chapman pops up. So that's that's brilliant. It's obviously working. Uh, but how does that work? How does your online uh, videos work? And then how does your platform for helping instructors do it work? So there's a, a fair bit there. Yeah, um, it all kind of works the same way. The whole thing with any type of business, whether it's a physical business or an online business, is you need to know who you're targeting, like who's your ideal customer. That's the first thing that, you, you know, you should think about. Now, if I was to open a school again, uh, I would not have any kids in my school. Okay. <laughs> I like teaching kids. I would just have like 100 adult students and I'd aim for a particular demographic of adult students. Um, and the same goes for the online. What I wanted to focus on was helping instructors teach world-class lessons, not necessarily like a beginner, how to hold pads. So a lot of my stuff is not particularly beginner friendly. There yeah. are some basic courses, but most of it is for instructors to help them improve their lessons or to add content to the lessons or variety to the lessons so that you know their students stick around longer. And develop into better martial artists so that was the the primary goal so then i created everything around that ideal martial arts instructor as my kind of perfect person i created everything around that so i've used lots of different online platforms over the years to try and 
put my content on and started with like YouTube and then ClickFunnels and, you know, all these different platforms, Kajabi and stuff. Found one that I like, which I'm, I'm sticking with now. And then basically what I do is I ask my audience, what would you like me to create for you next? So I just go to them and say, um, thinking of doing this, this or this, which one would you prefer or do you have a better idea? They all kind of vote. They, they give me feedback and then I build the content for them. So currently I'm on um, a course I'm filming at the moment called 100 Boxing Lesson Plans. So it's what it says on the tin. It's 100 lesson plans that they can print out and 100 videos showing what's in the lesson plans um, just on boxing pad drills. Yep. Uh, so I create that, I build it, I launch it to the audience uh, and then I say, what do you want to see next? And they go, I want to see this next. So then I build that. Um, because my martial arts experience is across a lot of styles, um, I can jump in and out of different styles because I've done boxing, kickboxing, American style, uh, Muay Thai, Jeet Kune Do, Filipino martial arts, uh, MMA. I can draw from all of these different ones and create different courses and products for different groups of people. So I think that's part of the reason why it's been quite successful. However, there are people who just specialize as on online courses on boxing and ones that specialize in Taekwondo and ones that specialize. So you can just specialize in your particular area. But my particular area of speciality is pad work. So I do all of this. I create all the courses and then I market them out. And the Facebook thing you're talking about is doing Facebook ads, which is a bit of a nightmare, really, Facebook ads. Not not easiest thing I've ever learned. I spent about 12 grand on Facebook ads and got like nothing. Wow. Okay. <laughs> no results. <laughs> Uh, but I'm stupid, so I kept investing. And then I got some good training um, from Gordon Bircham and from Swap No Garg, um, two of the guys who are really good in Facebook ads. And they helped me understand Facebook ads a lot better. And then I started to make some sales from my Facebook ads. And with a growing business, the, the smart thing to do is to reinvest the profits that you're making from your sales back into marketing your product so that you get this cycle, you know, it gets bigger and bigger and faster and faster. What most people do with their business is they make a bit of profit and then they spend it on a, a new car or they spend it on a you know, <laughs> extension on the house or they spend it on, uh, they improve the quality of their life. What I'm trying to do is I try not to spend too much on stuff for me. I try and make the business more successful and bigger and, and stronger. Yeah. So if I make profit from Facebook ads, I try and reinvest it into growing the business yeah. And Facebook ads and um, yeah I do spend between three and five thousand pounds a month on Facebook ads so wow. yeah. quite a hefty amount of money promoting my content and you're seeing it in the UK but people are also seeing it all over the US all over Canada Australia yeah. Europe so and you know in the grand scheme of things big companies are spending hundreds of thousands of pounds yeah. a day on Facebook ads so three grand is nothing but in terms of the martial arts industry spending that amount of money you know per month on Facebook ads quite a lot and the whole idea is if I create content that's interesting and engaging and people are scrolling through board 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 and they see a cool pad combination yep they go all oh, right cool click on that go through to the website check out my different courses find something they like buy a course and then I'll message them you know through various means and say what do you want to see next and then it just continues like that gets bigger and bigger yep and you also now help instructors do what you're doing yeah. So, uh, and again, you you, you don't. I, I would like you to explain it, but just to clarify that this isn't. You don't certainly don't need my podcast 
as an avenue to advertise what you do, although it may be, uh, but just for interest, because it's, it's an interesting process that you take people through. So if a brand new instructor came to you and said, listen, I want to try and copy what you're doing, that's part of what you do as well, which is to be commended because you certainly don't hide anything. You're trying to help others all the time. By, so what's that process like from sort of beginning to, to end? What do you do for people? Well, my goal, my goal with that is to help instructors because the instructors that I'd helped before the pandemic, pre-pandemic, <laughs> all had online courses ready, all had online training ready, were used to filming, editing, lighting, all of that. So they were like, and then when the pandemic hit, they could transition so quick. They were like, okay, you can all have access to this courses you can and we'll set up a zoom they were they were ahead of everyone else because they already had this pre-recorded ready content and i was like oh right we really need to help instructors you know with this because i don't think this is the last pandemic we're going to have and also you know what happens if you get ill and you can't teach your classes or one of your senior students runs off with half your school or <laughs> like all the classic stuff that happens in the martial arts i was like I need to help instructors develop another revenue stream that's not physically dependent on them teaching a class because sometimes the class won't happen, sometimes you not, might not be able to teach, sometimes stuff happens in life. Um, and that was the goal, I wanted to help instructors because the number one problem with a martial arts business is you have to physically turn up to teach. Yeah. Which is great. But the problem is you have to physically turn up to teach. So, you know, if you, you're not in the mood or there's a pandemic or you're injured or you've got some serious illness, you know, like some cancer or something like that, you know, teaching may not be possible. So how else can you do it? The only way to do it really is either through staff or through, you know, online content. So I thought most instructors have staff training, training their staff handled. They know how to do that. Yep but they don't have this online income stream. And if they could make an extra 200, 500, 1,000 pounds a month just from online content, that'd be really useful. Yeah, of course. So yep. grow, grow and scale. So started coaching people on this and trying to help them learn how to do it. Um, and the process is exactly the same process that I started with, which is who's your ideal person that you want to create content for? What type of content do they need or want in their lives? Um, create a little course so that they can test you out and see if there's the relationship between you and if, yeah. if it works for them. Um, offer that little course, ask them what they want to see next, what's the next step they want to see, create a bigger course or, or, or platform, and then just continue to do that, get feedback and, and create more. So for, for me, the smart thing for instructors to do is to do two groups of people simultaneous. They create content for their own students, that they then repackage for okay. other people that they around the world who are not their students. Yeah, so generally I advise most instructors to ask their students what they're struggling with. And I found the three biggest things they're struggling with is forms, yep. stretching and sparring across multiple martial arts styles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say, ask your students what they're struggling with, get feedback from them, create an online course, very short 45 minute online course about that problem and how to solve it then sell it back to your students so mm -hmm. you start to generate some income from your own students and you're starting to train your students to access online resources and use the online resources yeah and then 
edit the content of that course or improve it to market it out to other people who are, you know, like your students, but not in your town or your area, they're on the web. Yeah. Start generating sales that way, get feedback from both groups, start creating more content. The, the, there's three people that I want to mention. Uh, one of who I know was dead against us. All three are sort of really big names. Uh, all three have been on the podcast before. Mm. Uh, one of them's Bob Breen, who was actually the, the last episode. Oh, uh, cool. uh, just before, and you'll be the next one. But one of them was dead against online, and we can maybe have a wee chat about the, the other two. And the reason why I want to talk about this is I feel that part of our, not just as a, a an instructor, but part of the thing we're supposed to be learning as martial artists is, uh, well, Bruce Lee, be like water. Uh, my own grandmaster, Grandmaster Cho, always talks about flexibility in body, but also in mind. Mm. Anybody who's anybody in martial arts always talks about this ability to change and go with the flow type thing. So yeah. Chris Credelli was the first one who's doing a lot of online stuff now. Now, when he was on the podcast, uh, maybe eight or nine months ago now, actually, Chris had said, I, I'm against this. I was totally against this. And now everything you've just said, he had pretty much agreed with and that I'm actually, what a difference this is making. Yeah. Steve Rowe, who I know you helped, and Steve was yeah. in the podcast as well, uh, and then Bob Breen. So you're talking about three of the most well-known and well-respected martial artists in the UK. Uh, let's talk a wee bit about that, Just not just about those three, but about any martial artist or any instructor, because this is your gig. It's about taking maybe people that are staunch believers in the old-fashioned way and getting us to... The modern world. <laughs> <laughs> we should all have that flexibility. I mean, surely, but some yeah. people don't. Yeah, I mean, it's just your 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 choices. Look, your traditionalists who believe that you cannot learn online are entitled to their opinion. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They're teaching their dojos, and they won't teach anyone outside of their dojo. That's that's cool. Um, it doesn't, you know, have any effect on me, and that's it. But I think they're kind of missing a, a, a trick slightly. It's not that online training will replace physical training. It cannot replace physical training. You can't watch a video about holding pads and then get better at pads without getting with a partner and then drilling the pad work, right? Same with So it's not to replace it, it's to support it. It could be 5% of what you do and 95% is physical in the dojo. Yeah. Or it could be 10% or 20%, but it's not ever going to be 100%. We're not in the matrix where you can get downloaded and learn Kung Fu through the back of your skull and then you can physically do it. You do actually have to watch the video, get up and go and train with someone to, yeah. to improve your skills. So I think it's entirely up to people. It does. I understand where they're coming from, um, but I think that they think it's a replacement for physical training and it's so not a replacement it's just a way of supporting what you're physically doing with a little bit of instructional content or detail that maybe you haven't and then once you've watched it the idea is you get up go to your training zone and then train it for yeah. a couple of hours and look oh look it's got better so i i, I understand it doesn't really bother me i'm very thick-skinned 
not for you. It's not for you. I can't force you to, yeah. you know, change your ways. I mean, one of the things I would say is I kind of believe there's an element of fear in there. Okay. I and I might be wrong, and obviously people can tell me, but I kind of feel like either they're intimidated by the tech mm -hmm. or they have imposter syndrome and they don't want to put themselves out there for negative criticism yeah. or i just get the people who i've met who are really 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 anti online i can feel that part of that is a fear thing or also maybe it's a threat that you know they have their body of students that respect revere and pay them and then some muppet like me online is making videos and then their students are watching those videos and going hey sensei have you seen this mac guy he's good at pads can we try some of his drills for them that's like no oh, that's disaster <laughs> like yeah. so they might be protecting their bubble protecting their themselves their reputation and also possibly their 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 income stream mm -hmm. or just just who they are they're just protecting it and they don't want that stuff coming in from the outside and i kind of get that because there is a lot of random crap on online for any type of martial arts you know some people who are teaching online um, maybe don't have the best skills so I totally get that but the best always kind of rises to the top anyway cream rises to the top and also people are smarter now they understand that if they watch this video and it doesn't seem right they watch another video and they get a better Im impression people are constantly researching and learning um, and I think if you try and resist this too much it's yeah. a also from a perspective of you know you have your students and you say to your students you must never watch youtube because it's not correct but yeah. you know they're at home on youtube like watching all these videos about the techniques you're teaching in your class now why not instead create online content for your students that teaches them your way your correct way yeah. that you want them to see so that you can say to your students look the stuff on youtube's okay but it's not exactly how i want it taught check out our online courses, then you can get it exactly how I want to teach. And the other reason I think, uh, speaking to Steve Rowe about this is, legacy of a martial artist is that we've spent 20, 30, 40, 50 years training in martial arts, and we have developed our own interpretations, our own personality, our own way of explaining things, our own way of moving our bodies, our own way of communicating. Yeah. That's gonna die and disappear as soon as you die. You know, As soon as you're gone, that is literally gone. It's gone forever. It will never be repeated because no one's going to be like you and had your experiences. Personally, selfishly, I'd like to preserve my legacy as a martial artist. Of, you know, I've been training since I was 10. So if I die at 90, hopefully, I'll have 80 years worth of experience. And if I don't digitally record that, that's gone. Now, people often say, yeah, but your students will carry on your name. No. What they will do is take the techniques that you've taught them and yeah. make them their own and take it on a totally different journey of a totally different way, you know, and what you were teaching to them 10 years ago will be different by that point. So from a selfish point of view and also from a legacy point of view of someone who's invested their entire life into a particular martial art, I think it's very intelligent to record everything, your development. I wish I'd record myself when I was 10, riding about on a horseback, shooting bows and arrows, all the way up to today, because what an amazing like legacy of martial arts for myself, but also for maybe other people who are studying martial arts, but for my kids to watch, you know, when I'm older and gone, they can see the journey that I've gone through, the development of myself. So I think those instructors who are like very, very resistant 
I think they're fearful, they're protecting something, um, maybe doesn't need protecting. And also I think they're missing out on the ability to help thousands of people possibly with their experience and also missing out on the ability just to have a recorded legacy of what they've done with their life because otherwise it's just, it disappears. Yeah, it's, it's so funny that you mentioned YouTube there because uh, I I like to think, in fact, no, do you know what? I'm confident enough now to say that I'm sort of very open-minded with my students. I was actually... Uh, I was actually getting on to my students last night about not going on to YouTube enough. And we were just talking about uh, uh, trying to build a, a, a... I don't think that the students nowadays are as interested in martial arts as what we were. And mm. when I start talking to uh, people of our age, you start thinking, God, I'm getting old now. Because uh, I'm talking about back when we were kids. But... I don't think they are. I think they come to class two, three times a week, maybe, uh, and it, to get their bell. And whereas I was standing in W. H. Smith, this is what I was talking about. I was mm. talking about this to teenage kids last night. Half of them were looking at me as if I was dead. Yeah, you were in where? Doing what? Exactly. <laughs> and you were reading combat or martial arts yeah. illustrated, yeah. but page uh, sort of front to back, and then you were watching Best of the Best and Enter the Dragon and all these movies. So what I was trying to do was encourage, and I do try and do this to say, look, this is a technique I picked up from this guy. I want you to go and watch yeah. his fight on YouTube or whatever. Here's a wee bit of groundwork we're practicing, and I got this from, and again, I'm putting this podcast out publicly so people can come back and say, no, he doesn't. But I know that I do. I'm as open as I can be with people. But I'm trying my best to encourage it even more. That's got to be the right thing, surely. It's got to be yeah. to, yeah, to the students' mind like that. Yeah, but a lot of instructors are not uh, are very fearful. So, unfortunately, part of the negative side of martial arts is instructors who control their students to the point where they make themselves a demigod. And mm -hmm. you know, and and when you get to that point where your ego is so attached to your students' approval, respect, and reverence. Yep. you'll shut down you'll shut ranks and it's like nope you can't study with this person and you shouldn't be on youtube and you're not allowed to watch the ufc because it's not real martial arts <laughs> and yep. so that's part of the negative part of martial arts unfortunately is people do create little clans little cliques little you know places like that and they protect them because it's <sighs> Once again, coming back to why people start martial arts, I think many people start martial arts because they have a lack of self-belief, self-respect, self-love or approval. Yep. Certainly why I start martial arts for those reasons. Yeah, I hear you. But not like I'm saying to other people, yeah, you're a bunch of idiots. It's like, that's why I started. I, I was missing that confidence in myself and belief in myself. And then, you know, as you get to be an instructor, you get all these people standing in lines like bowing to you and they revere you and they listen to you and they pay attention to everything you say mm -hmm. and they're very respectful to you. That's very addictive. That's mm -hmm. like, oh, right, I'm powerful and respected and people pay attention to me. And then that can get out of control, I think, where people like, you know, you stop being so interested in their development as a martial artist, as an individual, and more interested in protecting your 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 group from outside influence so that you keep all that attention 
happen we all know it, it's part of martial arts and you know it's keeping that balance i think um so i think that's poss poss possibly part of the part of the problem that people are just you know they've got they've got this respect from their group of 50 100 students and they just don't want any outside influence affecting that because it's so important to their self-esteem that they maintain that yeah which i understand it's to totally cool but um the question is are you motivated by protecting yourself or are you interested in developing your students to the best of their abilities so one of the things that i always used to say to my students is like if we had a student who who had outgrown us in terms of what we could teach them we'd always refer them on to other people yeah. we didn't want to try and keep hold of them because they were ours or keep hold of them because they were paying us it was always like we've taken you as far along this journey as you can go and yeah. see this guy they're the next step for you yeah. Um, and I know a lot of instructors don't do that because they're, they're protecting. But I don't think I don't think I've ever taught axe kick in class without sending people to watch Andy Hogg videos oh. on on YouTube. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I think a lot of my style is quite self-deprecating as well. Uh, I think that's always maybe a good place to start because then you, people don't get disappointed in you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, you, you should be proud of yourself. No, I, I absolutely am. I absolutely am. But, but again, I, I just know that I, I know that you're spot on. I know you're spot on. Whereas it just would never occur to me to say, right, listen, guys, tonight we're going to work on dropping that front leg axe kick, following up with the right hand. Go show me a better example of that. Those two techniques than Andy Hug. There's yeah. never been that axe kick comes from. But I get annoyed to the other extreme that I know for a fact that most of the students aren't going to win watching that video. And that well, takes that's my point that I was mentioning earlier on about finding your ideal customer. Because if I say to my group online, look, here's me teaching axe kick. And if you want to check out Andy Hood's axe kick, I can put a video of Andy Hood's axe kick underneath my video. And also the people that I'm attracting are really into it. Like they're not because they're my courses are quite expensive they're not dabbling they're not dabblers they're like instructors who are into it so i've managed to like bring these ten thousand odd instructors together because they're passionate about pad work and training and martial arts and just in general so that's the advantage of this like you're saying to your students go and check it out and they're like yeah 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 sure <laughs> i'm gonna be watching like gaming yeah. when i get home on youtube with yeah. because i've attracted my ideal customer and they're all in the same place I know that they will action that. You know, if I yeah. recommend something that's going to be good for their development, they're very likely to do it because they're they're that passionate about it. And that's the advantage of an online business is you can, you know, there's six, seven billion people in the world. Out of those, you there's got to be five hundred thousand million yeah. people who are really, really into what you're into. Mm -hmm. So you just need to find them. Yeah, I've got one more question, Matt, before you go. But just when you said that. Uh, if you're a martial arts instructor and you're willing to put a video of your axe kick directly above a video of Andy Hugg's axe kick, <laughs> yes. salute you, sir, uh, <laughs> because that's a good place to be. Uh, but, but also, like, it's that same thing. Like, I my axe kick is not as good as Andy Hugg's. Not many people will be ever as good as Andy Hugg's. But I can refer them to someone who's, who's more you know who's better and I'm, I'm not afraid of doing that so i'm not like it's not doesn't affect me because my axe kick is not as good as andy hugs 
I'm trying to help the end person, the student, get better. So you take them where they need to go. I, I'm hoping that by the time they watch it on YouTube, their memory of my axe kick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kareem's axe kick was kind of like that. Uh, that's how they remember it, but I don't think that happens either. Right, okay. Uh, where are we heading? And I know that's a big question to, that I'm, we're going to finish on, but uh, we're coming out. I've said this a number of times in the podcast, and every time I say it, I regret saying it because I think I'm causing... Uh, I think I'm, uh, I'm saying it, and then the world's going in a completely different direction. But I'm more confident today to say we're coming out of this eventually. Mm. It looks as if we're getting out the other yeah. end. So uh, where are we heading? Are, are you confident that people, more people may be listening to this podcast or all the other avenues that you have at the moment are going to get on board? Do you think, I know you said at the beginning that you were a wee bit worried that instructors would kind of dump it really quickly. Yeah. Uh, where are we going to be in five years, for example, if we don't get locked back down and there's no more pandemics? Do you think martial arts will just fall back to where it was? Or do you think we're, this is going to be a good kick in the backside and pushes on a wee bit? Well, honestly, yep. I think we'll fall back to where we were. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because I, we're traditionalists and traditionalists don't move forward. They don't, you know, they're... they're the word traditionalist means we're, we're holding on to tradition, we're sitting in the past. So I kind of think that we'll just go back to what we we're doing and it will be the same as it as it ever was. Some people will like push more online content out and start trying to build you know, a, a, an online part of their martial arts school, which would be a very, very smart thing to do, even if you there's never another pandemic. But what I think is personally gonna happen is we're gonna have more pandemics. And I think lockdowns are going to be longer and more severe. Mm -hmm. So my request for people is to prep, like be a prepper, you know, like yeah. the people who live in bunkers and have all that stuff. Yeah. Away. Maybe not that type of prep. Don't start storing toilet rolls in your attic. Yeah. But I would be prepping for your business, like being closed for like a year, for example, just a whole solid year, not open. Yeah. Because I think this thing has set a precedent with governments and with those in control that, you know, something happens again, Corona, you know, COVID-20 yeah. or 21 happens, they'll just shut down and they'll just shut everything down. And how are you going to continue to run your business, bring in income to your, to your um, business? And also, like, what will happen is countries may shut down. So the advantage I've got with an online business is, Right, the UK is in lockdown, but I can still market in Canada and Australia and the US, which is open. So my business doesn't get affected by regional or geographical lockdowns necessarily, unless the whole world's locked down. Yeah. That's that's such a strength, you know, that yeah, for sure. if, if all the martial arts schools in the UK were shut for an entire year, how, you know, and you're trying to teach your students on Zoom, but wouldn't you also like to have a few thousand people <clears throat> around dotted around the world that you could create content for sell courses for do live workshops for and bring in these extra streams of income and just help help more people you can just help way more more people than you can in your in your town so i honestly think that they're going to just go back to how things were which is great you know it works it's it's good but in the back of their mind i think you need to be thinking about you know what happens if there's another pandemic and it's a more lethal one 
what, what you know they've they they're willing to lock down now for five months they will do it for longer if they have to you understand why they have to what insurance have you got in place if your school's shut for a year yeah. like what are you building now so that when this happens in three years time and you know your school's shut for a whole year or longer that you have you know online content you can give straight to your students you have online courses that you could sell to countries that aren't locked down you know or you've built an international audience that's not dependent on your geographic location so uh, i'm worried and this is why i try and help so much with the industry and just help people like understand that this is not a negative thing it's a positive thing it's only a strength it can only help you it can only make your business better if you have an online element to your business as well as the physical element so I just keep knocking on the door and saying the same thing and just talking and people are like oh Matt's talking about online again how boring but uh you know I, I think it's important I think uh I'm not willing to end the podcast on you saying Oh, there's going to be more pandemics. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, uh, I push back on that just ever so slightly because yeah. I'm a wee bit more optimistic that I, I can't. I can't let myself believe that as instructors and to maintain that relationship with our students that we don't. Do you know I'm, I'm I'm struggling to disagree with you here. I, I, I want us to I want us to to see that. Well, the positive is that this is a warning shot across the bows. This yeah, is like you know, this has happened. Who would have believed two years ago that like whole countries would be shut down and you know businesses would be closed and not allowed to open and find if they did open. If we told this a few years ago, we've been called, called like quacks and crazies and you know overreacting and imagining things. So it's happened. And we've survived and some places haven't survived that's the thing yeah. some places some business lots of businesses have gone out of business and some martial arts schools have gone out of business so yeah. it's it's a warning shot and with a warning shot it should be like oh okay now i need to adapt what i'm doing so it's like you're sparring and someone almost gets you with a head kick you're like oh that was close yeah. then are more aware of that 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 threat right so just be more aware of it and start taking daily steps over the next few years to just protect yourself so one of the things i think all businesses should have is an emergency fund so i believe i used to believe that you should have six months money saved up that um you never spend there's four emergencies such as if your business shuts down but now i think you really need a year's worth of income year's worth of all your rates your rent your bills your staffing costs you know everything saved that you never touch now i've got this and i recommend that everyone has this it's such a comforting feeling knowing that you've got all your bills covered everything covered for a whole year before you need even need to worry about anything and because a lot of instructors don't think like that they don't have an emergency fund then when the government shuts down your business you're like oh i can't make any money and uh uh-oh and it's really stressful and it's, 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 you know, it kicks off your adrenaline and you can't sleep and you're stressed and you're overwhelmed and, you, you know, you, you get and you make reactions that are, uh, are wrong because you're, you're, you're too, too stressed out. First thing, every instructor here should be starting to put money away monthly into an emergency fund that they never touch. They don't buy a new car with, they don't go to a holiday in the Maldives. They put away the 20, 30 grand that they need to keep their business money for a year. Yeah. They just put it away and they never touch it. Yeah. 
And just having that money just sitting there, just doing nothing, just means that when these things happen, you don't freak out. And you're just like, I've got my safety net. I'm all right. I can still teach online. I can still create online courses. I can still do what I do. And I know I'm going to be safe for a year. So I think that's more of a positive ending. <laughs> Start putting away a percentage of the money that you make every month into an emergency fund and never touch it. Yeah. The, the, the very last thing I'll say before I let you go is that this podcast probably would never have started if it wasn't for the pandemic because yeah. uh, it's been what something that's been in my head for years and years now. Yeah. Uh, and then conversations like this, this has been a genuine uh, sort of passion that I've, I've managed to get off the ground and uh, conversations with people like yourself. Like I've absolutely loved this conversation. It's like, it's like the dream thing to be doing for me, to be talking to people yeah, like yeah. Bob Breen, Steve Rowe, I mean, you name it. It's been it's been wonderful. So that's me sort of getting to saying to you, thank you, Matt, for coming on. Uh, and, and yeah, I've loved it. I've, I've had a great time this morning. And me, it's been it's good good chatting with you. It's it's been really nice and conversational. Sometimes like you go on podcasts and it's a bit like they ask you a question and they just stare at you. But you, you've been really chatty and like uh, it's been fun it's been and you obviously have a talent for this which is why you know one of the good things about the pandemic is it gave us free time to mm -hmm. start exploring different things that maybe we wouldn't have done before because we we're so busy running schools yeah. and living our lives so you know we've got to take the positive out of this uh, pandemic situation and you know you've created something that's really really cool so congratulations okay uh matt chapman thank you so much thank uh, you. have a, a wonderful day buddy all right Pleasure. take care thank you take care buddy